0: Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen.
1: Hello and welcome to this very special episode. the topic... Today is the embodiment of unconditional love. And our guests today are Stephen settler and Slatko Kanda. We're going to bring those two gentlemen on in just a minute, but just want to touch on the notion of unconditional love. Um, I've been working in the spiritual-slash-metaphysical arena now for about 25 years, and oftentimes, when people are on their spiritual path, they can kind of hit a plateau they can kind of um, not not get as much traction as when they first started out and And this episode is um intended to to share insights between all three of us as to how to how to reengage the process unconditional love from my perspective is kind of the last mile um, you can understand it and you can have um, an experience with it but love is is such a a dynamic and vibrant um, elixir non local um, non-local, um Event, if you will, that I don't think you can ever exhaust love and what it has to show you as a um through personal experiences, so I don't want to wait uh wait much longer at all. I think we should get right to it um Again, the topic is the embodiment of unconditional love, the embodiment. Um, Our first guest is Stephen Sadler. He is a leading world master and is known as the American guru by other masters around the world. He is the director of the Self-Awareness Institute and has taught thousands around the world since the mid 1980s, he is a spiritual author, trainer, and speaker on mindfulness, mind control, and manifesting. He stars in three movies about consciousness Spiritual Revolution, Three Magic Words, and Enlightenment Now. He is the host of Enlightenment Radio, hosted two television programs and is a best-selling author of over a dozen books and is currently in production with another feature film. You can learn more about Steve at selfawareness.com. St- Stephen, welcome to the show.
2: Oh, excellent to be here.
1: I'm I'm so excited to have you on the show. And let's introduce our our second guest, Relako Kanda. He is a world-renowned tutor and teacher who has inspired many people in organizing, managing, and balancing their careers and personal lives. The unique, simple, yet much expanded way of his approach has assisted many people in remaining effective, efficient, and focused on their goals and priorities. His passion for consulting has brought him to numerous countries around the world where he has had the opportunity to give workshops, seminars, and one-on-one sessions. Although he's considered to be a world citizen, he lives mostly on the Mediterranean Isle of Cyprus. And his website is Zlatko Kanda, Z L A T K O K A N D A dot com. Welcome to the show, Zlatko.
0: Thank you so much. It's a, it's a divine pleasure to be here.
1: the The notion of unconditional love can be a slippery fish, especially when the The media, the collective consciousness, if you will, Um, the world overall can seem like it's in such upheaval. And yet, unconditional love um, can be elusive for those on their spiritual journey. Um, I'd like to start off the conversation with um, each of your perspectives as far as how you perceive and experience the notion of unconditional love, Stephen? Do you want to start us out?
2: Sure. Well, first of all, I think there's different levels of love. You know, there's love in the sense of us having an experience, something that's related to um, a neurological activity, what we think or feel, what what we accept, uh, what what kinds of dopamine and serotonin, different chemicals. You know, there's like a, an interpersonal love. And then I think there is love itself, love that isn't based on anything. There's nothing outside of you, you know, the love, like a, what I would call the divine love. And I love the way you introduced the subject today about the embodiment of unconditional love. Because for me, discovering unconditional love was a matter of connecting with someone that embodied unconditional love. And and, and my first connection was through Jesus, through my grandmother, just hearing about his work and his word. And then later, as a child, I would meditate, and this guru appeared to me named Satya Sai Baba. And he just seemed to be my comfort and joy and guidance in life. I didn't even know he was a live person till I went to India. And then I met with him, and he's the one that gave me my name Sai, my spiritual name. And then later I, I apprenticed with the Tatri Maharishi. So for me, there are many different signs of unconditional love. Like for us, I think probably our parents are a great example. Our mother, or a mother in general, you know, showing so much love for their child is clearly unconditional love. But when I was with my guru, there was a different type of love. It, it, it wasn't based on a performance or being right. or It had nothing to do with the mind or the emotion. In, in a way, the teachers were somewhat um, apparent aloof or not, not necessarily emotional in the way they showed their love. There was just such a sweetness in the, in the air even, who it, it like, it would take you into what I would call another state. So when you, when you ask me, you know, what's, is there a difference, it's, I'd say, yeah, there's an evolution, I think. I think there's an evolution in our love. You might think of it as an aperture of awareness that can open infinitely, so we have an infinite, infinite capacity to realize love in our life.
1: Well, very nice. And Salatko, do you want to share your thoughts? Uh,
0: first, I want to say thank you for expressing those wonderful perspectives, Stephen. That is really nice. <laughs> I was really uh, feeling uh, what you were describing and um, yeah, for me personally it 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 was a moment of darkness uh, when I was five years old in the war, mm-hmm. where I had to see uh darkness before I could uh, experience some parts of love in different perspectives. Uh, such as what Stephen also already touched upon, uh, motherly love, or I love you because you're a great friend, or something like that. Um, And and for me, when I went into the introspection to myself, uh, I had to go through different layers of compassion, true compassion, forgiveness, and think about and feel what... If I love someone that I know, or if I love someone that meant harm to me, what does that mean? And I came to very deep realizations of that there are indeed different levels or perspectives in that way of love, and then there is one which is the consciousness of the existence. I would say. Uh, divine love or unconditional love which means that you love someone despite of anything uh, in in that matter, it goes outside of the human program of the collective so, I'll give another uh, personal example so, I have a son which is my son right, and I love him unconditionally, but there are other uh, children that I have uh, that I meet sometimes, or other people. And when I start to feel that same unconditional love to my son, then for me that was a confirmation that I don't need to have any embodiment of a persona to love someone. So there is more reasoning. It, it you know it's it's like it goes beyond the reasoning. It, it just becomes, yeah, like you said it very well, Less the embodiment. You become that embodiment of the love that goes beyond our comp- human comprehension at that point. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I love that.
1: Well, um, for myself, um, man, I could approach this from several different ways, but um, I like the notion of uh, like a grandparent so, uh, in in the sense that they they understand kids are more like Tupperware than they are China <laughs> and, and uh, to see a child and know that the child um, doesn't have the 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 wisdom or the understanding of what it is to be alive um, for myself I have a a higher self if you will and and metaphorically I could think of even a higher consciousness of self which might be divine consciousness or source consciousness and and in in that, um, in those realms of my um, aspects of myself, the the little me, the ego me, the flesh and bones me, is held with such grace and compassion from from my own higher self, and it's it's the. Uh, uh, I, I don't think permission is even the word. It's the freedom that affords us the ability to go as far into the darkness, into the shadow as we choose. And, and for many of us on this planet, we're on our spiritual journey out of the darkness. We're, we're coming out of the, the fog, if you will, out of the ignorance, if you will, and um, from the perspective of that higher consciousness, nothing is broken. Nothing is lost. Everything is in divine right order. And when the more I cleanse and purify my persona it, it, by processing my incongruent beliefs, releasing my emotions, and um, energetically um, purifying, so to speak, my persona, I feel that higher consciousness move down closer and closer into my persona. And as, as I do this, my, my vibration raises, and I, I can feel the advantage of doing the work, doing the spiritual work, that affords me the ability to, to grow a stronger connection with that higher perspective that my, my um, higher self-consciousness has, my source consciousness, if you will. And that brings my ego a sense of ease and a sense of grace. And ease and grace are um, something that society is really searching for. And so I um, I really value the notion of um, being able to embody that love by learning how to love myself from my little self perspective so I can more fully embody the the vast and eternal love that my higher self has, if that makes sense.
0: Oh, yes. Well, yes, it-
1: well, the, when we look at the the karmic tsunami, if you will, or the upheaval of the collective, um, what um, what tools, what processes have worked for you in the past to kind of see through the the illusion, see through the the chaos? Um, and and that has helped you um, grow and and anchor, if you will, your relationship with love. Zlatko, so, do you want to start?
0: It's an honor, thank you. Yes, uh, for me, it, for me to uh, be able to cope with the collective disturbances in the past. Uh, it was actually up to a middle point where I had the conscious choice to make. And it was actually um, the, 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 the focus, the consistency of focus. And when I realized that, that I was giving myself a lot of attention to pain and negativity and fear and anger and all those uh, unnecessary emotions at that time, then I realized that this was growing and I was attracting more of that, also subconsciously. (laughs) So when I started to think, but I have a choice in this moment to, to really shrink those, and how did I do that? Um... I changed my focus in consistency to love, and in the first times, it didn't work. I thought, oh, no, this is not working, and uh, I still feel gutted and weak and insecure. And just, I started to, to think, well, if I build up my muscles and I go to the gym, I will also not see um, immediate results. So that gave me another a motivation to just continue uh, focusing on love, and absolutely not denying what was happening, because, oh boy, it shook me. It shook me. <laughs> but uh, then when the focus was growing on love, I started to realize that the impact of those collective pains and personal pains became less. So for me, the consistency of focus and conscious choice on love whilst looking from a brave perspective towards the darkness or the negative emotions, really, really makes a difference. Keep practicing and, you know, keep in the consistency, I would say.
1: Very nice. I like that. Steve, do you want to share your insights?
2: Sure, sure. I think, and and bravo to you both. You both brought up, I think, the main point is that we can shift our consciousness, that that by shifting what's in our mind and emotion, the the biological aspect of our being, we can literally move into a higher state of consciousness. And I think that's the point it's good to expand on, is that knowing, knowing that there is a higher state enables you to get to it being conscious of the fact that what you're thinking, like both of you addressed, um, your experiences can bring you down. Things in your environment can definitely have an effect on your physiology and your mind and well-being. But then the ability to consciously see that and then shift your state to another level is, is a powerful tool. You know, that's how you you're either conscious or you're not who decides which state you're going to be in. You know, a lot of the training and meditation or mindfulness is to really, one of the questions, like we're starting up a course and one of the things they do every day is they ask themselves, how, how happy am I? What state am I in from zero to 10? Or, as a percent of happy as I could be, and they we and we also do something we test the calibrated level of their consciousness because everybody comes in at one level, like right now, like when we joined the call today, everybody came in at different levels they're probably you know more conscious, happy people, but do you know Dr. David Hawkins he wrote power versus force yeah. and and so well, he and I we did some work together, you know, and he had a great template or, or model, you know, I don't take everything, I don't think the whole system is perfect, the testing and so forth, but he had this model that humans experience things at different levels. So we know that, hey, if we've been in deep fear or deep guilt or just, or sometimes it's not as, uh, maybe it's not as deep or low of emotion, but it's more insidious like pride, you know, so these different vibrations that we are actually at when we think and feel this way or those emotions if we're going through that experience literally a different vibration in our body so he was testing that and then you can move into higher states like when you go into a deep samadhi if you're meditating and you've learned to still your mind you can actually take yourself into these higher vibratory states into a place beyond the time space continuum and so that's my specialty you know how do you get to the to those transcendental states that's what my guru showed me you know it was just and that's where the unconditional love is by the way you know because what is love but what supports and sustains us and what supports and sustains us if it isn't the life force flowing through us because once the life force force flowing through us stops flowing through us we call that dead but in fact the life force continues on regardless of the body as you know but what's beautiful is, like you were, I think both Les and Flacco, you were both saying how, you know, when you'd stop and thought about it and looked at it, and what you were doing is you were becoming conscious in that moment, weren't you? You know, we were talking about, okay, I realized, hey, this is bringing me down, or once I did my work, um, I was able to go to another state. And so the, the more conscious you become of how conscious you are, the more your consciousness evolves, and conversely, the more conscious you become of what causes you to go unconscious, you know, that programming, whatever it is, then you're not going to be in it. You're not going to get caught as often. If you do get caught, it won't be as much, and you won't be in it as long, you know, because you begin to see it, oh, it's just a, it's another little twerk in my nervous system in my head. It's, it's just another program that I didn't catch very quickly. But now you're looking at it, you know, once you're in that witness state, And you're realizing, well, that's just like an old imprint from a past experience I don't need anymore. You've recontextualized it. You've already moved yourself into a higher state just by being conscious of that other state trying to get your attention. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. So this is an example of the work, you know, kind of how I explain these things or how we we go through this process of reformulating your brain in a way. It's not not for you to have a brain that I think you should have but well what do you want to think you know what 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 are the idea what's keeping you and Zlaco I think you do some of this work too where what are what are my limiting beliefs or fears or what is getting in the way of my joy and happiness and peace you know just mm-hmm. the more conscious you become of the programming the more you can transcend it and then at least if the programming comes up again it's not such a big deal you've kind of mm-hmm. recontextualized it as oh that's an old program don't need to put time and energy on that what's say thee
1: well the i like the notion i mean you uh, you both talk on um, uh, raising your perspective of the conundrum the situation the struggle perhaps and the the only thing i would perhaps add is when when you make those incremental steps in up in your consciousness and you look back at how you behaved in the past and the belief systems and like fear or the unknown or perhaps uh, a sense of lack, um, you can have compassion for yourself for just not understanding how how vast and um, uh, Always able to recover, so to speak, that the universe is, that consciousness is, that you're never stuck, that you're never, you don't need to cling to anything. And when you look back at yourself with that compassion, and then you look on the other side of the relationships in your life that are close and personal to you that have that same signature struggle, you can see the other side of the relationship, the people in your life. Through that same compassion, and when you when you let go of the um, the perhaps the mental need to control or the emotional fear of rocking the boat, when you can let go of that, um, it allows the tension to to dissipate and it doesn't perpetuate. and And so that compassion can be something that you learn how to incorporate when you see people that are that are afraid that that they're I mean, God knows there's so many people on the planet that are just flat out afraid of what might be, what's coming around the bend, what's going to happen, the and their own sense of volatility. Well the you know, a lot of times love can seem so undecisive. Um, it, it's like it doesn't have an agenda where it's going to reach over your shoulder and grab the steering wheel. Love has a way of, um, through grace, um, trans, transforming a a situation um, at a level that doesn't always make sense to the rational mind. So the question I would pose is, when, when, what advice would you give to people when their, when their eyes are showing them such upheaval in their everyday lives through this collective um, story that we're playing out? Um, what advice would you give them to, to try to to give love a chance, if you will, and and change their approach to their dynamic. Uh, um, Steve, do you want to start?
2: Sure. Well, uh, to begin with, I think, just to put it perspective, you can't change the problem from the level of the problem, which kind of takes us back to our earlier discussion about levels of consciousness and levels of energy. So I think I would start with the template that everything in our life is here to teach us something about ourself and take the perspective that all our life experiences are here to help us learn, grow, and evolve, to realize our full potential, to realize ourself in God, and thus fulfill ourself and fulfill the purpose of our existence. And so all we need to do is stop again and be conscious, well, where am I putting my attention? Is it in some self-created sense of importance or dissatisfaction or some other thing? Or am I aligned with my true self? Am I living from a place of my spirit or from a place of my mental programming? And it's either its attractions or its aversions. You know, the brain tends to either want to go after something or it wants, it's scared of something, like you were saying. But if we are established in the self or established in, with God, if we live in the kingdom of God, or, you know, any number of ways you can say it, if you're living in that light, it's not a matter about you and, and, what's out there, what you like or don't like, you're just, you're here to serve God it's not about you, your sense of you begins to transcend into a greater sense of you that doesn't have this personal attachment to anything, because you see everything as just an expression of the illusion in people's minds, it's, they're creating it through their own state of consciousness but when you transcend that, you're not touched by it as much does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yes. Absolutely.
2: So there's a higher state. Everything is kind of pointing out, how do I get back to bliss? How do I get back to God? How do I get back to being more conscious? And so all those things that happen to us, if we look at it as, oh, okay, how could, this is pointing out something perhaps I need to let go of, but at least showing me I'm putting my attention on something my head created because of maybe something out there whatever that out there thing is but we have a control over what we think and what state of consciousness in which we look at it so all those things out there from my perspective are simply pointing out an area that needs light and if you're if it's bringing your energy down it's pointing out something to you hey why are you reacting to that it's it's helping you say hey this is where i need to shift my consciousness and bring light to the situation by being the light that I am, really, it's it's just getting reconnected. If your mind pulls you off center.
1: Well, I like that. Um, yeah, there's a science,
2: really. It's cool. You know, if, we, if I can jump in again.
1: No, please. am oh, sorry. Please. No, go ahead.
2: Well, just just to add to it, and I want to hear Latko's perspective on it. Yeah. Dr. Hawkins, again, gave us a great model, you know, like, where are you at? If you know you can be in a higher state, why aren't you in that higher state more often? And, or why don't you try going to even a higher state? You know, what, how much of people's time is spent really evolving themselves into a higher state of consciousness versus getting caught up in what they saw on the Internet or another drama in their life, you know? So we have a choice what state of mind we're in. And if we choose to stay connected, we will be. I like that. All
1: right. Thank you. Yes.
0: Uh, Thank you for sharing that. It's really profound. Uh, So, so... um, To just, it's, I mean, it's one and the same, really. (laughs) It's just sharing different perspectives uh, of the one. Uh, I think when when people are caught up in these moments that that you described, Les, like when they are caught up in their uh, collective and they're they're like affected by it or they think that they're affected, uh, for some people, uh, it might be easier to go to a place of acknowledgement without judgment. So they acknowledge first that, oh, this actually took me down without going into that insecure spot of, oh, I actually was not strong enough that it caught me down. Because, again, that can be another loop of the same. (laughs) And uh, not to view it as something negative, instead to give equality of attention. And what, what I mean with that is that when people have been pulled down, or individuals, when someone feels that they are pulled down through the collective, that means a certain amount of attention has gone through that energy. Whether that be subconscious or conscious, it doesn't really matter at that stage. What matters at that stage is that, okay, so I've spent my focus in certain amounts of energy wasting to put, me, put myself down. I'm going to acknowledge that with my heart without judgment to myself and others. And I'm going to go and put my chin up and, and say to myself, okay, I'm now going to put equal amounts of energy and focus to feel, to feel my heart again. And uh, I would say that this play is a form of neutrality first get everything flattened out and then make the jump because <laughs> uh, it, it can <laughs> make others or oneself feel very intimidated to do that in a couple of seconds if they are not uh, experienced in that. So, uh, in that sense, going to practice, will get that place where uh, the The equality becomes more into a blend of a perspective of that unconditional love well said
1: right thank you for myself um, I didn't have the, the slightest notion of of being a, being on a spiritual journey i I was quite happy just being a TV engineer, working at a TV station. And uh, the cosmic two-by-four, if you will, cracked me open. And the event was so startling to me, so unexpected. And it it was hinged around the release of an immense amount of emotions. I was in a psychiatrist's office, and he's coaxing me to show me my anger and uh, hell i I'm, I'm an easy going guy i don't I don't get mad at anything and i I really didn't understand what he was getting at, and the moment that changed my life is he puts his hand out and says, Come on, push on my hand, show me your anger. I'm like, this is pointless and the second time he did that. This immense amount of energy comes pouring out of my psyche, and it quite startled me. I'm like, what the hell is this? Where has it been? Where did it come from? How come I didn't know about it? My analytical mind went um, crazy with it. And another example I like to use is road rage because it's, it's so black and white. Perhaps you're riding with your friend and you're having a casual conversation and everything's easy-peasy. And then some trivial event happens and your seemingly docile friend erupts in in a a rage, if you will, about this transgression against them. Um, My advice is when you get triggered by what you see in the news or what you think about as a consequence of what you see and you feel your emotions stir up, that's really an opportune time because you can't really heal what you can't feel. So my advice would be pay attention to how you process when you get triggered. There's there's the, the processing of release where you're feeling your feelings and you're venting them out of your psyche. You're literally um, um, projecting the energy out of your psyche, feeling it fully emotionally. And the shadow side where you're not really healing yourself is when you drop into a very repetitive emotional rant, if you will, where you're festering in the atrocity. Those those bastards, I can't believe they're doing that. And you're, you have this repetitive monologue and you have an emotional intensity behind it. Mm-hmm. And you don't do anything to um, move that dynamic into a, a healing um, modality through release and compassion and... Um, forgiveness, but you just stay in it and fester in it over and over and over again. And a lot of times when that's the habit, you'll have friends in your life that like to get together and you, and you just piss and moan about the, um, the events in the world, if that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah.
1: Well, let's, let's open up the conversation to more of a, an, an open platform. You know, the, we, we can pray to God. Um, perhaps billions of prayers have been prayed to end the suffering on the planet. Um, mothers with sons at war, uh, people who are held in bondage or captivity or torture. Millions, if not billions of prayers have been prayed to this. Um, the notion of a powerful Almighty God, and yet here we are in twenty twenty and, and and these human atrocities continue how does how does divine love um, what are the uh, I feel blasphemous even to say this what are the parameters of divine love as far as how it provides us? Support and and even the word salvation, where we, where we can move past the, the the old narratives of of our human story. First one out. (laughs) All right,
0: uh, I'll I'll give it a go Uh, if you don't mind, Stephen.
2: No, please.
0: Okay, okay. Um, so uh, that's wonderfully put and I, I feel that's really joyous as well. <laughs> so thank you for that, Les. Um, well, it's it's actually uh, freedom and responsibility, right? Because freedom is the it's one of the aspects of conditional love and, and responsibility as well. What's, what is important is that um, we should, Well, should. I mean, it would be very effective to our understanding of the collective when we uh, understand that we have the responsibility and the freedom what we are creating collectively. And not to be distracted from the being. Because even unconditional love or love, topic of unconditional love or any type of practice in the spiritual realm to be from the being and we, we have to really understand at a deeper level that the unbounded being or this almighty God or the existence or whatever we want to give it a name to is something that again is born from this unconditional love it's it's, it's something that is uh, showing us what we have been doing collectively and what those outcomes are. And uh, I'll put a very easy-to-understand example here. If I come to both of you, Stephen and Les, and I said, hey, I found this strawberry, and you're like, oh, what's that? And I say, well, it's so sweet and nice and it's, it's full of vitamins E and it's oh, it's just so blissful and such a nice taste. And you're going like, oh, I would really love to experience that. And I'm going like, oh, no, you can't because I'm going to tell you everything about it. <laughs> then <laughs> that means that I would not give you as ex- someone who has experienced it like the existence or the, or the unbound being. Uh, to, to have an experience or understanding of what that is. And this is exactly what the existence or God or the Almighty gives to us to experience all this suffering and responsibility of the collective so that we can turn inwards and do the work from ourselves. And it's a very sacred thing to do. And then pour this back into the uh, collective. So it all starts from ourselves uh, to to share and to be aware again of this state of being. If that makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What do you think, Steve?
2: Yeah, help me with the question again. We're, We're... I got parts of what both of you were saying, but I want to make sure I'm addressing what you're feeling. You know, it's something to do with well, prayer or God and why is the thing, why are things happening in the world? And then well, what, how do we deal I mean, with that? Is that basically?
1: Well, um, in the past, well, th- there's an element of perhaps organized religion or whatnot that just says, you know, pray to God, God's going to come save our ass. Um, Put everything in His hands and and sit back and wait. And so the question was, wait a minute, if God is so powerful, and yet we we are still witnessing the suffering of humanity on the planet, something's got to give. So what are the attributes of divine uh, divinity or or uh, Christ consciousness as it relates to helping us actually transcend and move through some of our human struggles?
0: Oh,
2: that's a great question. All right. Well, from my perspective, it's in how you pray. I, when I pray, I don't typically ask God for something. I say, Lord, how may I be of service to you? How may I And what happens is my my brain and emotional orientation shifts if I allow, and I'm not perfect at it, mind you. But this is the the orientation, how I try and set my bearing, and then I'm naturally inspired to not just pray to do something, but to actually do something. For instance, I just did three series on the the new world order and trying to explain to people what I think, at least, is happening with the pandemic and the rioting, and moving to digital currencies, and all the the fear-mongering and divisiveness on the media. Without getting into the details, um, I think the greatest way to change it is to bring it to light, to enlighten people as to why there is a divisiveness, to who's behind it, where's the money behind it, and who's sponsoring the activities that are creating these conditions. And I get inspired for that. It's like I do hours and hours and hours of research or write books or do video. And the same thing with Enlightenment Network. I think when I think of all the problems of the world, whether it's pollution, war, you know, the crime, you know, we, we could make quite a list of it. The single thing that could change it all is people waking up. A simple shift of consciousness, and this is one of the things I learned from Dr. Hawkins, if even 1% of the population moved up in consciousness, if we could get even a million people into, say, the 500s using his model, we could create a collective shift around the world. Whether that's true or not, who knows. But what we do know and what I've learned over the years is people do shift in consciousness. And it's even more powerful when we do it in a group. Like we just had, I don't know, dozens of people from all over the world on a call before this call, and it was actually a Zoom video, and we all connected energetically. We're all spirit, and we're all in this time when there's a great awakening happening in the world. And I think that's where it's really exciting. You know, if we're talking about praying and changing the world, well, it's really to see that there is a change in the world. You know, when we were born, people weren't practicing yoga all over the world they are now people weren't meditating like they are now i don't know if there's ever been a time in recorded history where there's so many people meditating or doing some kind of practice to evolve themselves people that are thinking i want to enlighten so there, we're watching a movement that's happening right now and the work that you gentlemen do all of us and probably everyone listening you know we're all playing some part in a movement that is awakening the collective consciousness of humanity,
1: and, and that's how
2: I pray to bring it back to your point, and how Zlatko uh, was explaining it too. You know, it comes down to doing something. I think uh, to bringing, if you want to make a change in the world, well, let's talk about how we can change it. You know, let's let's do a, a global peace meditation. Let's let's see what we can do to evolve ourselves, because even just making ourselves a better person helps create a better world, and then you. You can pay it forward. You have more to share with your family or friends or people you know. Like both of you do. You know, you got to a place where you've learned something that could help others. So now you've taken the steps to reach out and share what you've learned. And so as we all begin to do that, mm-hmm. we begin to change the world.
1: Yes. And that's what I, I like that. About. Well, the, Thank you. the, the notion nice. of... Uh, the slaves in Egypt. Um, so they're 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 slaves to Egypt, and and they're praying for uh, God to come save them. I, I'm I'm paraphrasing because I wasn't there, but but there was a di- a desire for the end of slavery. And when I look at mythology, there's always flesh and bones involved. Never, never does a glowing orb come down from the sky and the the guns of war are silenced. Never ever does some glowing deity stand on the hilltop and wave a wand and turn the slums into palaces. It's we're here for the the human experience, and a calm sea doesn't make a skilled sailor. It it's it's when you immerse yourself in the in the struggle of humanity that you learn to master the art of being human and and what I'm getting at here is' I, I'm, I'm, I'm complimenting what you're saying in the sense that um, a call to action and I would uh, I would preempt that with, the, the vibrational equivalence of your persona. So, the, and what I mean by that is you can't receive inspiration that you're not a vibrational match to. I mean, how many, for me, I find it I'm curious that people who are flat out broke will have opportunities to attend a free financial freedom seminar and they don't go. It's like they can't energetically receive that information because their, um, their mindset is so quagmired that it's vibrationally out of the realm of what they can receive. So as we purify, as we em- learn to embody love, when we learn to embody a higher vibration for ourselves, when we we take it upon ourselves to do the practices, to, whether it's meditation or yoga or um, many of the modalities to to evolve our consciousness, we enter a we enter a a, a new realm, an upper realm of potential for our human condition. And so like like you both have said, it it's through us as a vehicle, that where we bring it into form, where we bring it into action, that the, the atoms move, so to speak, the, the physical condition changes. And to, to just look at the narrative that's playing out now, I mean, karmically, to have a single, just to give an example, um, our, our commerce, our money, we have a single syllable. I'm sorry, single symbol currency that represents money, and then we hang everything on it: the the value of our home, the value of our job, the value of where we're going to go on vacation, what can we afford, and then we turn around, we gamble, we gamble at the value of our own currency. And so so what's the, what's the flip side of that? Maybe a, a honeycomb currency where there's thousands of currencies, and if one of, one of them falls over or if, if somebody grabs the helm of one of them and crashes it, the whole cart doesn't tip over. But the way it is now with a single symbol, we've all watched the world get turned on its head over and over again with financial, quote, crisis. Unquote. So when we, when we look at the conundrum and we pray to be a vehicle for that change, the higher the vibration our persona is, the, I don't know what to say, the faster or the more impactful um, inspiration we're actually in resonance with that we can receive into our persona and then bring forth into action, if that makes sense. Tickets. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm
2: not sure where we're going with it. I, I think you're, you're, what you were saying, I can relate to it. But what's the question? You know, it's coming back to, um, you, know, you mentioned currency, for instance. Were you looking for a, you know, is there a solution to that dilemma? Is that what you're asking?
1: Well, I was uh, uh, creating a contextual example of what type of inspiration somebody might receive, like how many people have worked in an industry their whole life and understand it at a very intimate level, and perhaps their sole purpose is to be the 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 birth point or the 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 seed or the root of a new paradigm or a new dynamic. So I'm I'm suggesting to the listener that. Um, by by cleansing and purifying their persona, they're they're able to transcend the the conundrum of the collective and kind of rise above it and and then uh, be the the vehicle of redemption. I, I mean, that sounds kind of cliche, but I I think you understand what I'm. Unless saying. Unless you're sounding
2: kind of like Jesus right now, because that's really what he was <laughs> telling Herod. Like, look, my kingdom's not about. It. He goes, well, if you're a king, where's your army? Where's your money? Where's your gold? And he goes, man, my kingdom ain't about that. And of course, I'm paraphrasing. You know, it, my kingdom's not about money and palaces, and I don't need an army, dude. You know, my, I'm in the kingdom of heaven. That's a state of consciousness, and so that's that's how I'd like to respond to you. It's like you're right. There's another paradigm right now. We're chasing money. I just saw a video, to your point, on J.P. Morgan. And as you know, I'm an economist. I've studied the life of J.P. Morgan. I wrote a book on money and power. And um, I was amazed at how they made this guy out to be a hero, when in fact, in my opinion, he was a downright evil man that wasn't working for the interests of the people. But different perspectives. But it's, uh, it's really awakening to looking at how we value you see you're looking at the value of money and i think a lot of the problems in the world is we do we do look up to rich people oh bill gates why are we listening to bill gates about vaccinations he's a computer guy you know and uh, how could anybody trust Fosse if you know his background i mean it's just amazing how gullible people are too with the media and so i think you know part of what we're addressing here is that we're waking up and we're becoming more conscious. What I've been getting from each of you and our discussion together is that we need, regardless of what's going on out there, because we, we kind of started earlier talking about the chaos and craziness of life going on, we need to say, well, i got to be able to step out of that. I got, or, or maybe a better way to put it is transcend it, because it's still there. You've got to deal with it. But if you, if you deal with it from a place above, it's like you can gain greater perspective, objectivity, and also see ways out. You begin to see, okay, this is happening for a reason. I can let go and not move that direction, and there's a solution over here. But if you're down in the muck of it, you just get caught up in it. And, and that's kind of what we're being played to do, whether you know, you're on the left side or the right side – it looks like the media and, and everyone around us is trying to tell us what to think and get us agitated, get us angry, get us fearful. And, and the answer is really to, first of all, realize that's happening, and you don't want to get sucked up in it. You've got to step back and be, be what we call at Self-Awareness Institute the witness. Just be the witness. Be the observer. And just watch your mind like you're watching a yeah. movie. And then you can enjoy the movie. You know, my movies, I'm Indiana Jones. I love to travel around and go to exciting places. Sometimes it's scary, but in the end it's kind of funny, and you have a laugh. You know what I mean? You don't take it too serious. And so even with my own physical life, I try not to take my physical, mental existence seriously because I know it's all just divine play to begin with. Hmm.
0: Hmm.
1: So, Salatko, what are your thoughts
0: yeah, uh, <laughs> I've been uh, witnessing and observing your beautiful expressions there. So that's really nice. Nice, movie. <laughs> um, yeah. So the thing is, from my perspective, uh, and, you know, it's uh, the, the awareness of the value, and Steven so touched upon that uh, subject, and, and you as well as um, I think and feel that is uh, most people tend to do there's a tendency to attach to this program of money uh, their values and sometimes when you for example talk to someone whether it be a stranger or someone that you know well or a family member and you give them a piece of those things cannot be bought in a talk by money right so uh, the, what is the value of that and when we raise our awareness of value, and we will start to shift automatically the value of what we call money. Because uh, if you make lemonade for me today, and I'm very thirsty, for me that would have a very big value uh, at that moment. Uh, it can be five bucks or, or two, two and a half bucks Get to the sensation that I feel when i when I drink that because that sensation I cannot buy in 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 its purity, you see so um, money is energy, and it can be used different ways, and I feel that only awareness of what is truly meaningful will transcend the limiting. Business.
1: well it's uh it's a curious time to be alive the the opportunity to to hold a space of love and compassion for others is perhaps um no more pronounced than now. I'm. I, I don't know if that's accurate or not, because we've had some pretty tough times in the past too. But the when we create opportunities like this to talk about the embodiment of unconditional love, and then people are inclined to listen to the show, it, it's it's an opportunity for. For love to get anchored in ourselves mm-hmm. and in the listeners, and and love in and of itself is um, it's such a powerful uh, dynamic, a powerful elixir, um, a tireless source of of. New opportunities, new perspectives, new outcomes, and it seems like the more we can embody that that um, that love through our own self love, uh, I think self love is a real critical aspect that we could talk about. But to be able to shift our our own personal experience from from Letting, I mean, to let go of the fear, to let go of the the monologue of of fret and stress and worry and and doubt, and to to k- kind of recalibrate ourselves inside, which we've talked about um, during this episode, for us to be the vehicle of love as we move throughout our day, we're we're literally. Um, energetically personifying a new opportunity a new choice for others by by being that ourselves if you will to um, mm-hmm. to be the vehicle of love ourselves uh, We're, we're it, it's the hundredth monkey kind of thing kicks in uh, peace peace by its very nature won't Force anything. Peace is not going to force itself upon humanity. It's going to be discovered or rediscovered within our um, the wisdom of our soul, the the knowingness of our higher self, if you will. So, what I like about these this conversation is we're really embellishing and and talking about. Um, what it actually looks like to, to make that, that journey into love. Because like I said in the opening, a lot of people can kind of go so far and then they kind of reach an, I don't know what to call it, an internal boundary or a plateau, and, and they might not know how to get traction to go up a few more clicks in their own consciousness what are your thoughts Mm
2: -hmm. well that's what we teach I mean that's exactly what self-realization course it's recalibrate each week you need to physically there's several things we need like we've all been talking about you need to understand what's creating the tension in your existence you know what are your mindsets or emotional responses behavior patterns
1: you know and how
2: are you how can you uh, address those energies and stay centered and balanced the other part of it, I think, and it's getting to the love, is how much of that love is coursing through you, period. How connected to source are you? What level of consciousness are you operating at? And if you're meditating every day, if you're making connection, you know, and that's how I coach people too, you know, each day you're getting more energy than you would otherwise, period. So that getting it every day, every day, every day, every day, and then another booster shot, like training at the gym together or something, you get a day where, whew, you know, okay, I took it up another level. And you do that week after week after week after week after week. Now, that's just scientifically we know can help you move to a higher level of consciousness. That's what's so beautiful. Uh, And this is what I'd love to ask you guys. I mean, you know, as we enter into this new millennium, the science of the 21st century, I think, is well it's know thyself in the most basic level that's always been the the world teaching but specifically getting in touch with the energy and realizing that we're energy beings that there is a life force flowing through us we're all tapped into it together there's there's current there's fields and one field affects the field of another and different vibrations act in different ways there's attractive forces and repulsive forces and I think it's time that everybody learn this. Every human being learn about how energy works in their own being. And then the other major breakthrough, I think, is in understanding what consciousness is, not just how some brain functions operate, but what what is consciousness? What is the very absolute nature of ourself, which takes us back to know thyself? That's what the Bible teaches, Christ taught, the Buddha taught, you know, Krishna Maharishi Maharaj, the Sufis, it's an eternal truth to know thyself. To bring it back, to bring it into the daily living then, is I think the more you realize your true nature, the more that higher nature comes out through what you think and say and do. And that's where the rubber meets the road. It's where you start thinking of the practical things that need to change, such as our value system or even our monetary system. And by the way, being an economist, if I could... It, it's something of a tangent, but to tie it back into something you were saying, Les, about money, you know, uh, Benjamin Franklin gave a great example of how prosperity happened when they didn't have banks uh, creating a interest rate on the money that was created for trading. He said, hey, we were trading. The colonies were trading. They were exceedingly prosperous. And they said, what was that all about? And he said, well, Simply labor was worth something, and you could get in exchange for your labor notes at the market rate, just like if you had a pig, you could trade it because people wanted to trade. i will trade you some jute for some wood or maybe for some labor, and they would, the bank would simply provide what they called colonial script. There was no debt attached to it. And it was just for the easy passings of goods and services. So what you're really valuing, which we've kind of, we've lacked doing, is the value of labor, really, to some extent, I think. And we don't have this onerous debt. And then King George or the the Rothschild Banking Cartel imposed what they called the the banks or, or the Royal Bank on the colonies. And according to Benjamin Franklin, that's what created the revolution. It wasn't the tax on tea and or liquor later, all that kind of stuff. But it was really a depression occurred once banks were forced to pay an interest on a debt, basically IOUs. So that can get a little bit technical. But, again, it's as we awaken. There are different times when our government changed. Uh, Abraham Lincoln was a good example. He brought back the greenback, which was a, a note created by the government for the easy passing of goods and services, paying of labor, which is what governments have always done traditionally. But no banks were getting rich off of it, you see. And so there's been this struggle within world history that a group of bankers is trying to control us through money, and that's what's leading to this what they call um, uh, cashless currency. And eventually want to make it into a global currency, which eventually brought brings us into a global government, which has been talked about for for eons. So part of our awakening gentlemen is realizing, you know how because that's your question earlier Les, you know we're coming back to the point, how can we create a better world? and
1: and, and I think you were saying,
2: well, you know, people are praying in church, but it hasn't stopped the wars. But what has stopped the wars is when people listen to what Jesus or Buddha or somebody who had enlightened had said, and they'd say, "Don't buy into it. Don't get." In. I would say, "Don't get into the fear. That look at look at how these people are trying to control your brain. Don't don't let them impose wearing a mask or don't believe everything they're telling you. They're lying to you about the the death rates of COVID, as an example. So if you know that, if you will if you've kind of wised up, if somebody's helped enlighten you at even that basic level of, hey, the world is full of people trying to fill your heads with things to make you scared so they can manipulate you, then you are all the wiser. You don't slip into those negative uh, states or just cower in a church and pray. Now it's like, okay, I'm not going to buy into this. I'm not going to let these other people... Rile me up, so I want to go out in the streets and protest and riot and, and deface a monument. That's mental programming. So if you're, if someone kind of helps you evolve your consciousness to see how others are trying to keep you unconscious, then you're going to be more conscious. So that's my inspiration. Right,
1: Vladko, you want to share your in your thoughts? Ah, he dropped off. Um, We have lost the laticle, and he may or may not call back in. Um, You know, I like what you're saying, um, Steve. Um, I'm going to offer another perspective in the notion of of consciousness and consciousness in all things as it relates to nature. So we look at the earth, we look at trees and animals, we look at the weather, we look at the the whole uh, dynamic of this thing called Earth, and it's all a manifestation of Source Consciousness. And when uh, when we try to when we try to um, think we know better than nature that um, in in order to, um, I don't wanna to go too too far off the path, but like uh, the notion of global warming, like the, the entire earth is made of source consciousness. The entire earth has an awareness. And a lot of times our Western mind will get, get the notion where it says, well, we need to fix this. We need to fix nature uh we need to fix our food. We need to mess with um how things happen because our ego thinks we know better. <laughs> and yep. and uh, what what I'm getting at here is um um Steve had hinted on the notion of well what um where is this going? And I think It's kind of uh, getting our hands out of the mechanics of nature that don't relate to us directly, in the sense that um, Mother Nature's been doing this across entire um, galactic um, space that all galaxies exist in. This Earth is not a, a fluke. It's not broken. Nature knows what it's doing. Um so what I'm what I'm the the core of what I'm saying is to get um to move into a more harmonious future is to move the human persona into harmony back into harmony with the harmony that already exists in nature. Um Black-Cole, are you back?
0: Yes, I am, indeed. <laughs>
1: Hey uh yes. um we're coming up on the end of the episode um I know I know um I'd like to get your your uh thoughts about the what this next chapter would look like if love had its way I don't I, I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it but from the place <laughs> of from the place of love in your heart what what aspects of the future that don't exist in our in our narrative now what kind of changes do you see for humanity um if it if it were to be created more from a place of love
0: uh, that's wonderful a one of them that you touched upon is uh harmonization of it all <laughs> uh it would be Total trust and in integrity and transparency <laughs> and freedom of uh, the conscious choice, awareness and what I would say and you you really expressed that uh, to to alignment of feeling my heart uh, to the world isn't broken so we don't need to um, like the sun he the, the, the sun uh, probably the sun is away from his and her family uh, just to share us the light, the sun is all by itself, we, we usually don't think about these things or feel it because the sun is mighty. the sun is up, it's like it must take things for granted but it doesn't matter if we get burned if we stay too long in it and then we can think that the sun is evil <laughs> doing that um, Actually, it shows us the ability um, that we have for how, how we have to we'll make things to us, right? So, it's coming back to that connection uh, of the divine existence and nature, and... Um, being in openness to model that they have to work. So we are uh, into it and fully accept and part accept state as masculine that creates experience that repel us further into the knowingness of and at the same time mind with what the earth or other planets and realms offer to us in terms of growth that we consciously then in this space of mind I see a very, very deep connectivity of our souls dancing and co-creating and coexistence with an awareness of the all that is.
1: Right. Well, we're at the close of the uh the uh round table. I want um I'd like for each of you to share with us your platform as it relates to our audience, what services you offer, any books, your web page. Um, share with our audience um your platform and how they can engage in that. Slatko, do you want to start?
0: Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. So um, what I'm offering is uh, the, the seminars and workshops, of uh, self and to unlock one own's winning formula to realign with soul and really take conscious choice and awareness uh, into the awareness of the human self and um, what offer in, in that uh, space is the sharing of it because I'm not uh, me personally, I'm not a master or I'm not a student I'm simply sharing what I feel when I'm uh, as, uh, as human being and uh, what I do is I from that space I draw the sacred so on so that people can have a physical and visual representation of what their soul looks like in order to enhance that connection with themselves. And it's com. Uh, thank you.
1: Well, thank you. And, Steve, do you want to share your platform and your offerings?
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm easy. You can find me at Amazon. I've got a dozen books out. And you can find me on Enlightenment Radio, from iHeart to Spotify to so forth. And my movie, Enlightenment Now, is online. You can go to EnlightenmentNetwork.net. Or I just happen to be starting the first self-realization course uh, that's zoomed live. Uh, and that's going to start next Saturday. So if you want to learn more about that, um, you can go to com And um, there's a video on it. You can read about the course. But that's my advanced training, and I haven't done one in over a year. But I'm going to do one starting next week. Thank you for asking.
1: Well, thank you for taking time out, and I know what is a busy schedule for you to participate in this roundtable. And speaking of roundtable, why don't we go around the proverbial table and um, just share some closing thoughts as far as um, what you're moved to share with our audience now. Steve, do you want to start?
2: Yeah, know thyself. I mean, if you're listening to us right now, it's because you're awakening. There is a transformation occurring, and you want to feed that. By whatever way you're guided, but I just want to encourage you to dive in and know thyself.
1: Well, very what?
0: nice. Yeah.
1: Flatco, do you want to share any closing thoughts?
0: Yeah, I would I wish would souls to know that they are the divine captain of their being and they can steer their religion ones. they want uh, to main the face of reasoning, observing, and authenticity in the heart.
1: Well, I so. want to thank you, two gentlemen, for taking your time out um, and joining us in this roundtable discussion. I uh, I very much appreciate your input and your u- unique perspectives that you've shared with us today. I want to thank you both. Thank you. Thank
0: you very much for being here, offering a platform.
2: Always a pleasure, last. We've, Thank been you. pleasure. Talking,
1: we've been talking Bye. with uh, Stephen Sadler and Zlatko Kanda, and the topic today has been the embodiment of unconditional love. Um, for you to tune into this episode and listen to it, I think there's a, a relationship with love that you have as a listener, and by by you taking the time out to joining us today, I think it's a, a excellent reflection of you showing up for yourself. You have shown up for yourself, and um, it for myself i I get great joy in bringing opportunities like this where you can um, where I can bring new perspectives and insights to you um, i'm gonna I'm gonna just reiterate our guests um, web pages so you can connect with them. Um, Kanda is z l a t k o K-A-N-B-A dot com. I, I would uh, suggest you visit his website and learn more about what he has to offer. And Steve Sadler has two websites. One is selfawareness.com, and the other one is his name, Stephen Sadler. And that is E V E N. S-A-D-L-E-I-R dot Thank you for joining us today. It's, it's always been a pleasure sharing time like this together. I'm your host, Les Jensen. Until next time, thanks for listening.
0: This has been a New Human Living Radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open. Check out our host, Les Jensen's latest book, Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.